The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. I'm your host, Joey Bushnell. Today I'm joined by a top copywriter, Ryan Healy. You can check Ryan out over at ryanhealy.com. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the call with me today. Yeah, you're welcome, Joey. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Ryan, how did you become a copywriter? Well, um, I kind of fell into it. I was working at uh, Merrill Lynch, um, which is a is a financial company, was a financial company. It, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, I had a, a company approach me, a homeschooling company that that's based in Denver, Colorado. And uh, I knew the owners and they knew me. And I didn't have any marketing experience or marketing background, but the owner knew that I, that I loved to write. And he also knew that I was entrepreneurial. And he said, Ryan, I'm having trouble finding a marketing person to write sales copy for us. And I'm wondering if I, you might be interested in coming to work for us. And, you know, it, it involved a, a small pay cut, but, um, you know, I would teach you how to write direct response sales copy and teach you how to do marketing and all that sort of thing. So I accepted that. Um, you know, Merrill Lynch was not doing well at the time and I, I didn't really see a future there. And, um, actually I was right about that. The company yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I jumped over with, uh, this homeschooling company. I worked there for three years. And, uh, the owner, John, he mentored me. Um, and I kind of took over a lot of his responsibilities. I, I did AdWords pay per click and, and, um, I wrote their weekly, um, you know, newsletter, electronic newsletter that was sent out by email. I did a lot of, uh, copywriting for their annual catalog and, uh, wrote sales copy for their website and, and so forth. And then after three years, um, you know, I'm, I've always been entrepreneurial, always been interested in business. And so whenever I took a job, I, I took the job, uh, with one of those purposes being that it would be a stepping stone towards whatever I was going to try next to start my own business and get out on my own. Well, I, I got my series six license, uh, in the hopes of becoming a financial planner. And I set up an arrangement with this guy and he was going to mentor me. Um, so I got a, you know, a bonus time. I got a nice bonus and I decided that was a good opportunity to leave. So I quit my job there and, and tried to do, um, try to become a financial planner. And that, you know, quickly fell through that whole arrangement fell apart. Um, and I found myself in a situation where I had no job and, and no income and only about two weeks of money left. And so I said, well, I can get another job or I can try to launch my own freelance copywriting business. It was something that I had thought about doing, but I was just too afraid to to quit my job and just try to be a freelance copywriter, which is why I had set up this whole thing with the financial planner. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I said, well, you know, I'm going to try it. So I did it and I got I got uh, three clients in a two week time period. And then I've just been going ever since. And, you know, I'm coming up on uh I think eight years in business this June. So, wow! Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, if anyone listening was thinking of a career in copywriting, is that something that you would endorse? And if so, why? And if not, then why not? What's your opinion on that? Well, I guess it's different for everybody. For me, I love to write, and you know, I've, I've always wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. So, freelance copywriting 
uh, you know, gave me a way to earn a living, a, a good living from, from writing. And so if you're listening to this and, and you love to write and, you know, maybe you also enjoy sales or you enjoy selling things or finding the advantage of one product over another, then, um, then copywriting could be a really good fit for you. Uh, you also have to know your personality, your personality type. Are you risk averse or are you a risk taker? And I think anytime you go into business for yourself, you have to be a little bit of a risk taker. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, unless you're, you know, unusually great at what you do and unusually good at business, there are going to be times when, you know, the money doesn't come as fast as you'd like. Um, you have to go, you know, six weeks without pay or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, other months will be great. And, but just know that it's not all easy and, you know, <laughs> it's not like you're just sitting there raking in money all the time. At least yeah. that's my experience. I've, I've made a very good income from it, but there have definitely been dry spells and challenges along the way. And you have to be prepared for that. And I, I think that's true of no matter any kind of business you're doing on your own. Thank you. Very honest and very true. I'm sure that you could be very successful first time round, but you also have to be very prepared that it's not going to be plain sailing as well. The direction I'd like to take this interview, Ryan, is for anyone who was thinking about going down that route of becoming a copywriter themselves. I know that you've written extensively about this topic on your blog, and also you sell a report about becoming a freelancer and having your own freelance copywriting business. So I'd love to ask you some questions on that topic, if that's okay. Sure, absolutely. Um, My first question is, Assuming that we've done some training and we feel that we are at a competent level that we can write copy for other people, how do we then start to get clients? And I mean a consistent flow of clients and maybe some regular clients as well, people who come back to us for regular work. Do you have any tips on how we can get ourselves out there and find people who need our copywriting services? Sure. So, you know, there's there's always the uh, traditional method, which is paying for advertising. You can use uh, pay-per-click advertising or um, do uh, more old-fashioned uh, space advertising by buying space in a magazine or something, mm-hmm. um, and then driving those people uh, to a landing page on your website or sending them a sales letter or, or whatever. You can, you know, that is a, a method and it, and it works. Um, you can get clients that way, and in fact, you know, most people are going to have to start with some form of advertising because how else are going to pe- are people going to to find out about you. Yeah. You have to, you have to get your name and your service out there and, and why and tell people why they should hire you versus the competition. Um, another way to get clients is to attend, um, events, uh, particularly events that attract entrepreneurs and, and business owners who are likely to hire a copywriter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this could be, you know, something local, but more likely you're going to have to travel to get to an event like this. And I, I say that because, you know, your local florist and your, your local nail salon and dry cleaner and things like that, they're, they're probably not going to hire a copywriter. They're just not. They don't understand the value of sales copy. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're kind of in a commodity business where, you know, their business is just making offers, you know, come in and get a free this or free that or here's a coupon or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can help with those things, but they're not really going to pay you that well. Yeah. So you want to target clients who know what direct response copy is. They know the value of sales letters and space ads that get people to buy. And they're actively hiring copywriters already or they're wanting to hire a copywriter. Um, so marketing events and, and, and things like that that attract that type of person can be a good place to network 
and uh, get your name out there. Uh, obviously, once you have some clients and you start building your book of business, the best source of business is always going to be referrals. So, you know, view each client for for the project that it is, but also view that client as a potential referral source. So make sure that you take care of that client and, you know, do whatever you can to make sure that their project is successful, that they're making money, that their investment pays off and they're more than happy to refer their friends and, and business friends to you. Um, you know, closing a deal when, when you've been referred is much easier than closing a deal when somebody's clicked your ad on, on uh, Google. Right. Sure. Yeah, I've had the experience of uh, advertising on AdWords. I can't anymore because I've been banned for a year, a few years. But mm-hmm. uh, when I used to advertise on on AdWords, I'd occasionally get some guy who would who would contact me about a project, and it would and the the details he gave me were, would be something like, you know, I was looking for a copywriter and I just clicked a whole bunch of ads and filled out a whole bunch of forms and you know, you know. That that's actually when I would call him. So he'd fill out the form. I call him back, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I already hired somebody. I, I contacted like five people all at the same time." Mm-hmm. And that's you definitely don't want to be in that category. That's such a waste of time following up with those people. They just go down the the sidebar and just click on all the ads, fill out all the contact forms, and you know, they basically they're not contacting you for any specific reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, you're a copywriter. Thank you. There are some great ways to get started. Do you have any tips on how to price our fees when we're first starting out? So when you're first starting out, from a selfish perspective, is that you're going to need to uh, replace your income, right? Yeah. Uh, to, to survive. So one way of pricing your projects could be saying, okay, well, how much time is it going to take me to do this project, and how much time to do this kind of project, and then you know filling out the whole month and thinking, well, how many, how many of these could I do in a month and what would I need to make on each project to be able to pay my bills? Mm-hmm. That would be one approach. Um, another approach is you could go out and research your competition and try to find out what they're charging. Um, I've done that a little bit, uh, but you know, prices vary so much in the service, uh, in the service business. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got people on the high end charging, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and people on the low end charging hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that may not be very helpful, but at least you can get a feel of, you know, what's cheap, what's reasonable and what's expensive sure. and, you know, and price yourself accordingly. Sure. Um, there are some pricing reports out there. I think Chris Marlowe, she's another copywriter. I think she publishes a, a pricing report mm-hmm. uh, that it, it's based on a survey of other copywriters and then she provides the data in a report saying, you know, here's what copywriters charge on average for a white paper. Here's what copywriters charge on average for a sales letter, for an email, for an opt-in page, and, and on and on and on. Personally, did you charge slightly lower to begin with just to get the experience? And now these days you charge more now that you've got testimonials, case studies, and, and proof to show people. Yeah, that, that's generally true. Mm-hmm. I when I started, I did not charge as little as some of the other copywriters out there were charging. Okay. You know, some of them were offering to write a sales letter for a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks, and I thought, well, that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. I, yeah. I could make more in a job. Why would I do that? Yeah. Um. So I charged right from the get-go a thousand dollars for a long-form sales letter mm-hmm. of about eight, eight to ten pages in length, and a thousand bucks for, you know, to make a thousand bucks at the time was good for me, and it, and it covered my bills. Uh, but that was still, you know, working for pretty cheap. Yes. So, 
um, my thinking at the time was, you know, at the time I needed about $4,000 a month to pay my bills. You know, my wife didn't work. I had two kids in a house and, and whatnot. And so I thought, well, I could do one sales letter a week and that would be $4,000, hence $1,000. So that's what I did. So you're not charging so cheap that you're doing yourself a disservice, but at the same time, it's enough that you can get people to take a risk on you at the beginning. And then when you get really good at your trade, you price accordingly. That's a good method, I think. When you do agree with someone that you're going to write some copy for them, do you ask them to pay you up front before the job itself? Do they pay you after the job or half and half? What is the arrangement there? So the answer for this is it really depends on the client and the project. Some people will tell you always get paid up front. And I can't say that that's bad advice, um, you know, because if you get paid up front, you know that you're going to get paid and you don't lift a finger until you get paid. I recently had a guy approach me and I put together this, you know, page and a half long proposal. We talked on the phone two different times. And then I said, well, he goes, well, can you get this? When can you get this done by? And I said, well, if we get started right away, I could probably finish it by about mid-March. He goes, great, get started. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I need, I need 50% down to get started. It was a $2,000 project. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, well, I need half down to, uh, to begin writing. He goes, I said, should I send an invoice? He goes, yes, send it. I'll get it paid. I sent it. And what's today's date? Uh, today's date is the 28th of March. 28th of March. I still haven't been paid. So have I done any work on the project? No, I haven't. (laughs) So I haven't really lost anything except for the time it took me to put the proposal together and the time I spent talking on the phone with him. You know, maybe he will pay, maybe he won't. I don't know. But at least until then, I haven't lost anything. Have you been burned before, Ryan? Have you written copy for people and they didn't pay up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of times. <laughs> you know, more times than I care to count, really. So every situation is different. In one in one case, I, I did a percentage deal with a lady. She paid me the very, very little I asked up front. And then when we made a quarter million dollars, she never paid me the, the seven grand or so she owed me. In fact, she also ripped off all the speakers at the event, too, except for one or two of them. Um, so, it was, I mean, just blatant theft. I wasn't the only one who got ripped off. I mean, she conned a whole bunch of people. So, you know, that, that was one situation. Another situation, I got paid for three projects in a row. The client was really good. And then, uh, they, they hired me for this fourth project and then they went bankrupt. Right. Um, and I got served legal papers saying, you know, you're, you're listed as a creditor and blah, blah, blah. I did make back a, a portion of that, but mm-hmm. lost a portion. Um, you, you just never know. You know, a good client can become a, a bad client, you know, when you least expect it. Okay. Um, and that's just the nature of the business. So getting paid up front is great. Uh, sometimes I, I like to do the 50% up front and 50% on completion. Um, and here's why I, I look at it also from a perspective of how motivated am I going to be? Yeah. Okay. So if I get paid, everything up front, um, I'm going to feel motivated right away because I just got paid. Uh, but the longer that that project drags on, the less motivation I'm going to feel because I already got paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing because you want to feel motivated to do your best work and to, and to, uh, and to finish strong. Now, if you don't get paid anything up front and you're getting paid 100% on, on the end, you're not going to feel a lot of motivation to get started. Because you're going to be thinking, well, how do I pay my bills this month? 
<laughs> and uh, but the longer you know, the, the closer you get to the end of the project, the more motivation you're going to feel. Now, if you do a 50-50, you're very motivated in the beginning. You might have a slight dip in motivation in the middle, and you're very motivated at the end. So that's kind of a nice thing because it's more consistent motivation throughout the whole pro- the whole project. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and I, I think that's the fairest and safest way for both parties to get the outcome that they want from it. So I think that's a really good model there. Can I just ask you, with those bad experiences that you had with people who didn't pay you for the work that you had already done for them, did you take any legal action or did you just let it go and learn from the experience for next time? Yeah, I just I just let it go. Okay. Um, you know, you're going you're gonna to get back on your feet faster if you just move on to the next project. If you try to take legal action... Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's not going to be good for anybody, yeah. you you included. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to uh, probably go to court. You're going to have to pay a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You have to do all that stuff. And and here's the thing. Let's say that the the uh, judge or jury um, finds the case in your favor and says that you know the the other party has to pay you back. Yeah. Well, it's still possible that they'll never pay you, even yeah. though you won you won the case. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, oftentimes when somebody's stealing money or taking money, they're they're already in financial hard times and they don't have the means to pay you. And sure. they just weren't they weren't on and honest enough to tell you that up front. So don't waste the negative energy on it. Learn from it and move on. Yeah, that's sure. that's my recommendation. Sure. I mean, I, I guess it would be different if it was like half a million at stake. But, you know, rarely are you going to have, you know, more than more than five thousand bucks on the line. Yeah. You know, assuming you got paid half up front. Are there any warning signs that could help us to avoid picking up a bad client? Before things went wrong, were there any red flags or warning signs beforehand that you basically ignored and went ahead with the project anyway? Um, in, in some cases, yes, and in other cases, no. Mm-hmm. I find that the less, the less money somebody has, uh, has put up, Mm-hmm. the more likely you're going to get ripped off, which is why I would I would never recommend getting paid 100% on the back end okay. unless it's a client you've already done multiple projects with and you know that they're dependable, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, I, have, I have done that. I've gotten paid on the back end, but only after I did projects where they paid me up front or did 50-50. Yeah. So the less, the less money they've got in the game, the, the more likely you, you're going to get ripped off. Um, that's another uh, just side note. If you're doing a percentage share, like say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna write this copy and I'll do it free up front and then I'll take a percentage of the results. Those are risky propositions. Okay. You usually want to get the person to put up some money up front, whether that's a thousand, two thousand bucks, whatever, and then the the percentage. So that way, at least if they never pay you, yeah, which is a which is a strong possibility, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. you still got something. Yeah. Um, other warning signs for me, uh, one is flattery. When a client comes to you and they're just heaping praises on you and saying how awesome you are and, you know, that's, that's just a big warning sign. Okay. That's something con men use, mm-hmm. uh, to get you to, to, to lower your defenses and you start thinking, wow, I'm, I must be really great. <laughs> I must be awesome. Yeah. And then, and then that's when they start asking for all these concessions or, or, uh, you agree to bad terms or you agree to good, you know, potentially good terms and then the client never pays. Okay. Um, Another uh, uh, other warning signs are when a client promises you a bunch of work up front. Mm-hmm. So they've never worked with you before, and almost every client's going to say this. 
you're going to get on the phone and they're going to say, I'm looking for a long-term relationship. Okay. Yeah. Well, who isn't? I mean, is somebody going to get on the phone and say, I'm looking for a short-term relationship with a copywriter. I'd really like this to go badly and, uh, and never hire you again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to say that. Yeah. But everybody, you, you, if you get into this business, you'll be shocked by how many times you hear the same exact thing over and over again. One of those things is I'm looking for a long-term relationship. Yeah. That's not necessarily a warning sign, but then if they start to talk about We've got all this work, you know, that needs to be done. And if this goes well, we could keep you busy for the next 12 months and yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, well, okay, that's, that's way out there. All you're really concerned about is the here and now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the first project? That's all I care about. What's the first project? I don't care about the next 12 months. I just want to get paid for today. Yeah. Um, and usually they use that as a negotiating tactic to get you to reduce your rates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's say that your rate is $5,000. They might try to say, well, I could keep you busy for 12 months. You know, can't you do it for, you know, 2,500 or 3,000 or something like that? Yeah. It's just a negotiation tactic. That's all it is. And, it, and it's a warning sign because generally clients who haggle a lot over price and try to promise you the moon are going to, you know, they're, they're not going to turn out well. What kind of questions do we need to ask a potential client before we take on a job from them? Um, well, for me, I just like to get a good idea of, of what their business model is. What is it that they're selling? Yeah. Is it something that, is it a product or service that I agree with? You know, mm -hmm. if, if it's something that I don't agree with, you know, for instance, I had a guy contact me the other day and, you know, uh, he wanted to hire me to write a, a sales letter. And I, I said, well, sure, I'm interested. Send me more information. And, and he did. And it, it turned out it was going to be kind of a, basically a fake news site. Mm -hmm. um, type of thing that then pushes to a free trial offer with, with uh, continuity attached to it. And, you know, I just, I just didn't feel comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel comfortable trying to do this fake news site, making something look really legit that, you know, isn't necessarily legit. Yeah. And so I just had to say, you know, I'm, I got to pass on this yeah. and, uh, and my apologies, I can't accept it. So, that's one real key thing is, you know, find out what is it that you're writing? What is it that you're involved in? And is it something that lines up with your values? Mm -hmm. Is it something you're excited about? If you're not excited about it, it's going to be, you know, more difficult to sell it. Mm -hmm. Other questions I ask are, you know, what, what price are you selling it for? Um, because I want to work out, you know, how much, how much is my client going to make? Yeah. Or how much could my client make? You know, just do some basic math. Well, if he sells a hundred units at X price, what does that equal? If he sells a thousand units, what does that equal? Mm -hmm. um, I also like to ask, um, you know, if they have an email list and how they're going to drive traffic. That's something that's really important. Um, if if a brand new online marketer comes to me and they want to to sell their ebook for twenty bucks, yeah. And they have no list and they have no experience driving traffic. Why are they hiring me? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like they're, you know, they could pay me and I could write an awesome sales letter, but they're going to have a hard time making that money back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a while. So in a situation like that, I would tell the client, look, you know, it sounds like you have a good ebook, but at $20 a sale and no way to drive traffic, you know, you just, it doesn't make sense to hire me, mm -hmm. right? The sales copy yourself and hire me for a critique or, you know, get a book on copywriting and try to do it yourself. So there are other 
I, I try to recommend other solutions for clients like that. But I would say the traffic piece of it is really important because let's say that you do accept a project from somebody who doesn't know how to drive traffic, has a low-priced product, and you charge them a few grand to write the sales letter and they pay it. Mm-hmm. And then let's say that they put the sales letter up and then you know they get one sale a week or a sale a month because they don't know what they're doing. That's going to lead to a bad experience for the client and that could end up bad for you, even mm-hmm. if you did good work. If the client doesn't feel good about the outcome, even if you did good work, that's that's a bad situation. One sub-question that came out of that, Ryan, is you mentioned earlier about being excited and enthusiastic about the product. Is that something that you would say is a definite requirement? If you believe that the product that they have is not going to sell well, would you just say, sorry, I can't take this project on? Yeah, well, I mean, if you don't believe it's going to sell well, then, yeah, you might want to just decline the project. Um, But let's say, you know, you think it's a decent project or a decent product. Maybe you're not excited about it, but you're not the target market and you could see how other people would be excited about it. Then I would still accept the project. Okay. Okay. Um, So I don't think that, you know, being over the moon excited about a a product or services is a requirement Mm -hmm. for selling it. Um, just so long as you can see the value in it uh, for for the target market. And what sort of questions should we ask after we've accepted the job? Well, there's there's a lot of different questions to ask, but mm-hmm. just a, a, a sampling of questions you might want to consider asking are um, the terms of the offer. That's going to be really important to get straight up front. That is yeah. that includes the the price. You know what what exactly they're getting. Are there any bonus gifts involved? Is there a guarantee? And if there is a guarantee, how long is the guarantee for? And what are the details that, you know, do they have to send the product back? Do they get to keep it? You know, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to ask, uh, for any kind of credibility builders. You know, if you're selling an info product, you need to, um, know the background of the author and what kind of credentials the author has or the product creator has. Um, are there any, awards that the product or services has gotten that you could use. Um, you want to ask for testimonials. What have, what have customers said about the product or service? Yeah, those are, those are just some of the things, just hashing out all the details, you yeah. know, all the guts of what goes into, um, into the sales letter or the sales piece. Sure. Another, yeah. another thing real quick. I, I learned this the hard way. Um, it's one of the few projects I really didn't, you know, I felt bad about, um, after it was over. Uh-huh. I don't have many of them, but this is one of them. Uh, it's important to ask your client up front, are they comfortable with a negative sales approach and a positive sales approach, or do they prefer one or the other? That's going to sound weird maybe to somebody who's not been in the business, mm-hmm. but you can use, um, like negative headlines to get attention and build and start building a sales case and you can use positive stuff. And I've actually used a negative one and then the client came back to me and said, Oh, we don't want to say that. And it was, they had never made me aware of this beforehand. Right. Um, and then another, another case I wrote a positive one and he wanted a negative one. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, um, it can go both ways. So ask beforehand, which one they're comfortable with or if they would be happy with either. Yeah. You have a blog post which outlines the three stages of a copywriter's life. I was interested to know, what are those three stages? Yeah, sure. Um, 
the three stages uh, go kind of like this. The first one is if you know if I could just replace my income dot dot dot, yeah. and this is when you're getting started. You know, you're really excited about your new your new endeavor, and um, and you're you're struggling to just get to that point where you know you're paying all your bills and you've replaced whatever income that you were making at your job or whatever you did before. So, you know, this is, you know, hopefully this is a short term stage, yeah. <laughs> you know, hopefully it only lasts for you know a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, ideally it should be as brief as possible, right? Um, cause you don't want to be going into debt and, and struggling financially for, for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, the second stage after you've, uh, you know, gotten to the point where you're paying your bills is, you know, if I could just crack the six figure mark, you know, because everybody wants to make six figures. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that there's anything necessarily magical about it, but I, that's definitely the way I was. I was like, you know, I had never made six figures in a job before, mm-hmm. and that's what that was my goal. I wanted to do that. Um, that that could take a little bit longer. In my case, um, I was able to hit that the first calendar year um, of being a full-time freelance copywriter. Um, keep in mind, though, that as a freelance copywriter, you have business expenses. And so you're, even if you crack six figures gross, yeah. your net income after expenses could still be below, uh, six figures. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so, so while you're pursuing six figures, you know, it, it's likely that you'll do a few different things. You'll probably raise your prices during that time, raise your fees. Um, but you'll you'll probably also take on a lot of projects or as much work as you can handle, and then that sets you up for stage three, which is you know burnout basically. And uh, in that post, I describe it as if I have to write one more sales letter, I swear I'll dot dot dot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's not to say that you know all copywriters get there or 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 even that you'll stay there, but. From, from talking to other copywriters, everybody, every copywriter hits this at some point where they just feel burnt out. They're, they're jaded. They've, they've seen too much. You know, they see some of the shenanigans that go on behind the scenes. Um, some of the, you know, outright deception that happens in, in sales. Um, and, uh, you know, that can be discouraging. And, uh, you know, you get to thinking, gosh, if I could, if I could write for myself, that would be ideal. And, you know, for me, I enjoy doing client work. So the ideal for me, um, is, you know, choosing only the best projects and the best clients yeah. and, you know, and not taking on every single project because, you know, burnout is not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the same time, working on some of my own projects and, and making those profitable. So you are on stage two right now, Ryan, and long may it continue. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've, I've hit stage three a few times along the way. Okay. <laughs> okay but you hung in there. Yeah, but I've hung in there and, and uh, you know, actually haven't felt burnt out for quite a while uh, sure. just because if you pick the right clients and the right projects, you know, it, freelance copywriting is really rewarding. Yeah. I think you be, I think you get burnt out when you're, you know, when you've got the wrong projects and the wrong clients and, the, and that that's rough. Just before we move on, on stage one, the newbie stage where money is an issue and we are looking to replace our current income, you said that for you, it only took you a couple of months is that something that most people can realistically hope for or should they be expecting a little bit longer than that? Is it realistic to expect that after a few months we can get to a level where we are financially okay at least um, when we're first starting out because it's a risky time, isn't it? 
It is. Um, so, you know, I started in 2005 and the economic conditions in 2005 were very different than they are today. Yeah. So, um, nobody is going to duplicate what I've done exactly. It's going to be different in some way. Um, you, you just because now it's 2013 and times are different, things are different. Um, it, certainly it's still possible, uh, to replace your income. Obviously the, the fewer, the less income you need, the easier it is to replace. Yeah. Uh, so I find that, you know, if you're a, if you're a single gal or guy, um, you know, sharing an apartment or something with somebody and you, you have low living expenses, well, certainly you could replace your income in a couple months easy. Um, it all depends, it all depends on where you're at. If you're a high level, you know, manager making six figures already, well, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, and you ought to plan, you know, a while longer before, um, you're able to, to replace your income. So if, if that's your situation, you're going to need some sort of cash buffer, um, you know, to, to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're, yeah, it, it all just really depends, you know, yeah. people living in New York, New York or LA or San Francisco or, you know, even London, mm-hmm. um, are going to have a tougher time replacing their incomes because their cost of living is so high in those cities. But if you live out in a, in a more rural area or a lower, lower cost of living area, it's going to be easier for you. That's just the way it is. So there's quite a few factors at play. It's going to be different for everyone. But the good side is, is that if you work at it and if you find the right project, then things can start to happen for you. Absolutely. That's great. Thank you for the interview, Ryan. Where can someone find out more about you? If anyone is interested in this particular subject, you do have a report that I mentioned earlier. Could you tell us a little bit about the report? And also just in general, where can people get more info about you? Sure. Um, I sell a, a uh, inexpensive report on how to get clients as a copywriter, and that's available at the website getclientsreport.com. Okay. And I also write a blog on a fairly regular basis. I usually have something new published every week, uh, and that's at ryanhealy.com. That's spelled R-Y-A-N-H-E-A-L-Y.com. And I... I write about a variety of different topics there, but mostly it's focused on, you know, running, running a business and copywriting and, um, productivity and lifestyle, lifestyle design, product creation, things like that. Awesome. That's the end of the show, folks. Thank you for listening in. I highly recommend that you go and check out Ryan's blog and his get clients report. Ryan, thank you once again for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Joey. The online marketing show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.